0: Hey everyone, it's Matt.
1: And
2: this is Lucas.
0: And this is Racer Play.
2: The podcast where we break down the most iconic video games the world has to offer. Oh! <laughs> uh, You're saving, you didn't, you didn't, saving that one up. You didn't back far enough away from your mic and it actually kind of hurt my ears. Uh, oh, it, well,
0: that's why we have Doogie, or, uh, <laughs> Sam, our producer. It's it, all good. Well, it <laughs> might
2: have hurt our guests' ears as well.
1: What? I That's was right. actually really afraid that it would because I've heard the podcast before, <laughs> but it was surprisingly, uh, you know, he backed. It was pleasant. I, was okay. I
0: back I, up. I go, go okay. back okay. up. I know what I'm
1: doing. <laughs> I, I know the
0: damage I can do. We're all wearing nice headphones here. Well, right, so,
2: speaking of guests, Matt, would you like to introduce
0: our guest? That's right, everyone. Lucas, thank you for pointing that out. Today, everyone, we are joined by my cousin, Johnny, one of the men one of the men who have been very influential in my gaming career and has really kind of uh, gently and forcibly at times um, (laughs) shoved certain games down my throat to to give me a wider scope to get out of the um, Call of Duty genre. So Johnny, how's it going?
1: Not bad. Not bad. Thank you guys for having me on. I appreciate that. That's uh, you know having two people hostage to talk about games for an hour <laughs> like that's a dream come true. Yeah, it's a awesome. good time. Uh,
0: it's a good time. And you've had you've gotten so many shout outs on the uh, podcast prior. Oh, to this and I,
1: I've been glad because I, I when I first saw the censorship one. Immediately texted you. I was like, "You're welcome for the idea." And then <laughs> yeah. I later well, he I did, heard he, a he shout out, the and I was like, "Okay, okay, yeah, that's good." I,
0: I, I think I shot, Did I not shout you out? In that? You, yeah, did no, you did. You did. You, did, you, you did. Acted I just like hadn't gotten idea. there yet.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I had already gotten. <laughs> I already yeah, want yeah, to. Yeah, yeah. i uh, that one up To rib you on that.
0: that. Was like, Shit, this is good. That one's honestly crazy. For anyone, everyone that anyone that hasn't listened to it yet, I highly recommend going back and checking out Art "Anything's Possible" on censorship. Um, you can listen to the episode and find out the, why this podcast is no longer listed in um, any of these directories. <laughs> <laughs> um, cool. All righty. Well, I think we, you know, we got three of us today. I think we're all going to have a lot of fun stuff to say. To say. So we're gonna get right into it. And that's right, everyone. Today, we are talking about the number one ray tracing prequel.
2: <laughs> oh, I like that. <laughs> okay.
0: Alan Wake.
2: That's right. It's the 2010 uh, cinematic survival horror is kind of how I might describe it. Action adventure survival horror, perhaps, by Remedy Entertainment, creators of the very, very famous Max Payne. Um, 83% or 83 out of 100 on Metacritic. Highly marketed, highly anticipated in its era. uh, Notoriously long development cycle. um, And maybe unbeknownst to you two here, and maybe much of the audience, the number one game of 20 th- 2010, according to Time Magazine. Really? <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> Which is pretty yeah. hilarious. Yeah. Um, the the yeah,
1: I, esteemed gaming journalist at Time Magazine? Time Magazine, exactly. <laughs> wow. I looked it up, I,
2: I saw it on the Wikipedia page, and I like really checked the source and dove into Time Magazine. And they have like a top 10 list of things every year. Top ten movies, top ten books, top ten nonfiction, fiction, and there's a top ten games section.
1: Let's take it. I'll take it. So, but hang on. This this is this is exactly this is like a a Hollywood movie about Hollywood. You know, like the game industry (laughs) is bound to love it because it's all journalists. They all fancy themselves writers, uh, you know, that's like true. they probably all have yeah. a script that's, they're That's actually, on, re- I didn't
2: think about that. You know? this, they have this, script, did, yeah. this did beat out Red Dead, Fallout New Vegas, Halo Reach, mm. StarCraft Red 2. Red Dead came out in 2010? Yeah, Red Dead 1. Holy uh, shit. Mario Galaxy that's 2, crazy. Bioshock 2, and it beat out DJ Hero 2.
1: <laughs> Shocking. Oh, no, not
2: DJ
0: Hero 2. <laughs> <laughs> Please, say it ain't so. I'm kind of blown away by that, especially the Red Dead.
2: But It's it's a funny, it's a Time Magazine thing. I think Johnny kind of hit it right on the head right there. Yeah. It's a total, yeah. like, writer's type of fan, the choir. fan fiction-y yeah. game, you know? So it's kind of like, yeah, yeah it's totally. All it's
1: right. all about the magic of creation, you know, through art. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> yeah, they it, makes the, it they really totally it's It's like a comfy warm blanket when they're in their cubicles just like you know trying <laughs> to pump out that last 400 word web post you know <laughs> <laughs> all right so i want to make sure
0: everyone has a little bit of context what we're talking about today because a little bit older game for us came out in 2010 so really quickly going to give a brief synopsis um as best as i can about what goes on in this wacky game um spoilers will ensue will i'll do fun. my best to yeah do my best to keep it light and we'll go from there so best-selling crime fiction author alan wake travels with his wife alice to the small mountain town of bright falls washington for a short vacation per the advice of his wife and agent barry wheeler while well, on the ferry over Alan is a nightmare about shadowy figures trying to kill him before a mysterious light arrives to help him show to help him and show him how to fend off the shadows upon arriving at their cabin for the trip alice is seemingly kidnapped and drowned by being pulled into the lake that their cabin is resting on alan passes out while trying to save her and regains consciousness a week later and begins his journey of saving alice and discovering the secrets surrounding the mysterious shadowy figures
2: that was great. You didn't go Thank too you. far into spoiler territory, although we probably will go heavy into spoiler territory.
0: But I mean, we always yeah. do. I just like to keep it light for the intro because then I don't know. That's the yeah. feedback we get. For the fans. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs>
1: You know, it's like uh, that line in Justice League, you know, with the Flash going, you know, that's an oversimplification, you know, when (laughs) Bruce Wayne says, like, oh, you go fast.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I mean, uh, there's a lot going on with uh, the genre that this game is in, right? There's a lot of references to so many, like, horror stories, um, a lot of things about the setting that it's in, huge Twin Peaks uh, inspiration. It's obviously a Pacific Northwest game. Pacific Northwest piece of fiction, which uh, I'll get into a little bit later, is sort of its own little subsection of fiction, um, as I kind of did a little bit more research into it, things taking place in the Pacific Northwest. Um, And Alan Wake kind of follows a lot of the similar tropes. It's a horror story. uh, There's mystery. It takes place in the forest a lot. It's nighttime. There's ghosts. It's spooky. um, A lot of regular, typical things having to do with that genre.
1: Yeah, there are go ahead johnny go uh they uh sam lake references sam lake is the creative director at remedy um so he uh is kind of the mind behind uh all of the games they've released from the beginning even like he apparently he started out on their very first game which was just this piece of trash a little uh, pc racer he wrote the menus yeah Yeah, death rally (laughs) he wrote the menus so like at least he like he was the writer on that project you know so he he's like one of those guys who just references everything that he likes like hideo kojima just throws in whatever he uh you know whatever he thinks is cool you know it's like uh guillermo del toro yeah he's a cool guy let's throw him in you know in a little bit part (laughs) you know it's just like whatever he's into at the time and this game feels a lot like that too um, where he's throwing in a lot of references to everything Stephen King, Twin Peaks The Shining um, the shining. the shining. The Shining was yeah. definitely
0: the most blatant one, like yeah. where the axe comes. Through. I think they call it out in the game too. Actually, yeah, oh, yeah. he, they was, they he named Stephen do.
2: King by name. Alan Wade yeah. does in, in some voiceover, and there's like <laughs> the, the the hedge maze part. I think uh, I think we'll end up inserting a little bit of that soundbite because I think that soundbite's hilarious. Where mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember, but you're escaping from the hospital, and like Barry's like the gates locked, Al. You gotta run through the hedge maze. <laughs> it's like <laughs>
0: oh okay. so on the nose there, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure he gets called like Discount Stephen King at one point or something like that. Oh really? So just, oh that's great. Yeah, but no, um, he
1: there are so many references. And then Hitchcock gets a nod with you know bird. all the crows flying around. Uh, yep. Um, but yeah, to keep going on Stephen King, uh, Carrie with all the levitating objects that get thrown at you. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Uh, uh, then what's what's the movie with the car? Christine. Christine? Christine yeah. with all the cars. With yeah. the, the tractors that come after you. I mean, they're leaning hard into Stephen King. And one of the funniest things, and I don't know if this is intentional, and I really hope it is because it makes me laugh every time. The opening shot of this game is Alan Wake driving his car. And out of nowhere, this guy jumps in the road and he hits him. Now, about 10 years before this... Stephen King was out jogging in the evening, and he was hit by an SUV. And I wonder if this isn't mm. like a little jab or like reference to to that. I, I well, like to think it is. is.
2: Is that the plot to Misery, or am I confusing that with another story where um, the writer gets it's, hit and gets uh, kind of hobbled and forced? Yeah, he ride. gets
1: into a car accident. And he doesn't get hit by a car though. Correct, correct. Okay, okay. But there's definitely themes of misery in there. When, and I'm sure we'll talk about later with the the diner um, waitress. You know, when oh. uh, when you get uh, when you go to her trailer park and uh, she she has a little surprise for you and and whatever it what was she give you. Does she give you booze? She gives you
2: sleep. She drugs you. She drugs. You, I mean, yeah, she drugs you. you. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I forget <laughs> I if
1: it's like crushed up in like wholesome orange juice or like bourbon it's in or coffee, just coffee. It's just coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Of course sleeping. it's coffee. It has to be yeah. coffee. <laughs> sleeping pills
2: in the coffee. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, right now I think, uh, we're on the initial thoughts section. Um, I'll just kind of come out and say some of my initial thoughts, uh, You know, before we came in to record this game, uh, I finished the game just recently, uh, just last night. I did a lot of research on it um, today and and wrote down my notes here. And I was really ready to kind of, just really kind of drill into the game. And I realized that there was very specific things that I had negative attitudes towards with the game. Mostly the plot. Mostly some of the story elements of the game. Everything else I actually view as very solid with the game. Um, I think the combat's actually really fun. Uh, I think that the setting is amazing. I love the snappy sound design, the thwacks, the like hits, the gunshots, when you kill the Taken, it's always very, very satisfying. The bullet time is really fun in the combat. I think the light mechanics are good and genuinely scary. Um, I think there's a weird resource there's an excess amount of resources in this game as <laughs> compared to most like scary horror games, Dude, which I think did do it as many uh, favors. What's up?
0: I played it on Easy Two. I don't know if that affected it. I played let me get context. I had three days to meet this game. I was like really just powering through it because I was leaving for a trip. but um I was like, this isn't survival. This is just—it's like unlimited. You have, <laughs> yeah, you have unlimited ammo.
2: Really,
1: I, mean, I, yeah. I did read online, except too for a that. few key parts where you know you'll find yourself yeah. they There, and it's almost as if you know they're intentional about withholding ammo at that point. They you are. lose yeah. your gun constantly you lose your guns five
2: times <laughs>
1: <So> <laughs> and annoying. your flash- flashlight it's yeah. so I annoying
2: i know <laughs> it is it is a little annoying and I, I i'm honestly not really quite sure what the what the point of that is like i don't know I, it, I, they could just
1: as all I can think you know, of is just to to kind of make those <laughs> sections a little, uh, you know, more resource manage
0: Yeah, Research, Yeah. And just to, like, raise the tension, I think, a bit, too. Because, I mean, when you're picking up, you know, 20 revolver rounds every time you enter a new section, it's like, all right, I'm chilling. You got to dump it. I guess you got to it somehow. Stuff. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's okay. true. It'd be, it'd be too easy
2: well, otherwise well the game is kind of cut up into six different episodes uh, for those of you that haven't played the game uh the game is alan wake is cut up into six distinct episodes each one has a beginning uh, a cliffhanger at the end usually an ending and then like an ending kind of credit scene in a way or like the title alan wake pops up and like music plays and you skip it it's very
1: I, much like the end of a television episode
2: exactly um, exactly um,
1: and uh, the beginning of the next episode has a handy little, you know, last time on Alan Wake. <laughs> I, it's I, great. I, I yeah,
2: found yeah. that to be like, okay, I, I get it because it's like really supposed to lean into that televisionist like episodic thing. But like, I, it was weird when I beat a chapter and it was, and then immediately and the chapter team got team recap. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like,
0: oh my God. I mean, it was oh, great. I have like to back it. to it after a day or something. That right? was cool. Like two days. Yeah, yeah. But
2: like, I mean, if you, if you were playing a long session or you kind of wanted to keep going, it was kind of silly because it was like. Ah, oh, I need to go to the lake to find Alice, and then boom, yeah. end of episode. Next episode, so I have to go to the lake and find <laughs> Alice It was just—it was just like a little, a little silly. Alice like, is missing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just recap everything that I just saw. well like, five So ago.
1: the interesting thing is, and it's amazing how well it works, anyways. Just thrown in there. Alan Wake w- uh, was uh, so they after uh, Rockstar published uh, Max Payne one and two. Or take two; they might have been when they merged eventually. So doesn't matter. Um, they uh, broke off ties with Remedy after Max Payne and and took the Max Payne IP with them. So uh, suddenly they couldn't use Max Payne anymore. Um, so Alan Wake comes out um, and they have a deal with Microsoft. And the and the intention was originally to release this episodically. So you would uh, download it through Xbox Live. You would get each episode every however month or two months. Uh, eventually, towards the end, they pulled the plug on that idea and were like, just just put it all in one game. We'll release a few DLC. That's it. That makes sense. So they wanted so to do sense. it
0: like The Walking Dead or something, right? Yeah, the, so kind of that model
1: me. before that model was really seen as viable, I guess.
0: I wonder when they decided to make the switch for that from doing like it episodically releasing that way because i mean originally this was a um supposed to be an open world game right something like mm-hmm. a, akin to like a survival horror grand theft auto type of thing which is so interesting if they were originally planning to reach it episodically because that would make such like a i don't know you even know how to that would just be awkward in an open world setting right i, I can't well, imagine that working that well
1: yeah i think this speaks to how many fricking inter- iterations this game has gone through because um, I have to imagine that open world concept had to be sort of influenced by their relationship with Rockstar when that was right. happening you know then when they shift over to Microsoft that could have been when they changed the model and moved to this episodic thing and the- so like it just shows how, how bounced around this project was you know yeah. for so long well, that's, um, that's which also speaks to the writer's frustration which i think comes out just a little bit in this <laughs> yeah. in this game oh yeah just a little bit of writer's frustration in the yeah. game
2: quite literally <laughs> but uh let's not let's also not forget you know 2010 everything was an open world game back then the simpsons that's was true. A, the simpsons was an open world game uh <laughs> well, Ratchet, Ratchet and clank <laughs> was an open world game grand theft auto was an open world game literally everything red dead redemption 2 came out the same year as uh, as this game, uh, everything was wow. an open world game back then. So can
1: you imagine, like adding, you know, store mechanics to this game and like, you know, hunting <laughs> oh, and getting so pelts to like upgrade your? Sh- oh, it'd be terrible. Yeah, it wouldn't work. This guy's storytelling needs to be tight. Yeah, you know? yeah,
2: it wouldn't be the it'd same. It'd be such
0: game. an interesting like day night cycle too, because, I mean, <laughs> <Yeah. can happen laughs> what, what day, right? the
2: shadows <laughs> during the day are <laughs> just like, like <laughs> <laughs>
0: unless you like originally were trying to make it just like all night but that's crazy and I mean, yeah i went through so many iterations i mean john you were mentioning you said it went through like five or like a bunch of different game engines too early they kept having to redo and revamp everything and i mean even from switching it from open world to making it more linear like how it is now episodically that only happened like very late in the cycle before it was released in a two-month period like they crunched it so that's just like it's kind of crazy this game like exists in a way because like just so many iterations. Like I'm, I'm not. I'm surprised they didn't just say like, all right, scrap it. Let's maybe try something else if we can't figure this out. But they didn't, they went for it.
1: But uh, what do you guys think? Would this have worked? Do you think as an episodic game? I I think you so. kind of. I think
0: in its current form, yeah. If they were yeah. in the open world, it would not have worked as I, a. I mean, they released two two uh,
2: special episodes after the game came out as DLC. So, like, there there there's a weird hybrid with Alan Wake where you got six full episodes in, in a full condensed story with an, a beginning and an end, and each episode having a beginning and an end and a cliffhanger and all that. And then you get two special episodes as DLC. So you kind of got a little bit of both worlds there. Um, although it would have really been cool to play this game slowly over time and really experience it like. Like a TV show, that would have been yeah. super cool. And
1: that's where I think it would be fun, like a day-night cycle, like you were talking about, Matt. Like you could, you could really pay, play up the Twin Peaks aspect of it, right. you know, and and wander around amongst the locals in the day and get to know all the weirdos, you know. That would have
2: been dope.
1: That would have been fun. That would have been really. It's really like great. what Deadly Premonition wanted to be if it like didn't have horrible controls. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, so the controls in this game were great
1: uh (laughs) do i i i'm so glad you actually like the gameplay because i was really worried you guys would both trash it no i Um,
2: i I did have problems with some of the parts where there was jumping involved that was always
0: really like oh my god i don't want to jump again i actually didn't think it was too bad and i'm like pretty shitty at video games and platforming so like I, w- I was like cruising the whole way through, and I know I played it on easy, but that doesn't change how the jumping works. <laughs> the, ju- That's true. the
1: jumping, the That's true. jumping is still pretty. It's not low. probability based. The, the, yeah, uh,
2: right. Yeah, <laughs> the uh, driving is uh, not that great either. Um, no. Yeah, <laughs> it's like uh, no. I, I, pretty, pretty much universally panned for the driving. Uh, Did you I remember
1: guys- as a a kid because I I played this when it came out, and I'll be honest, it it didn't have as it didn't have a huge effect on me i was really a remedy fan from the max Payne series max Payne 2 for a long time would have been you know what i would have said was my favorite game um so you know when this came out i was like ah the gameplay is not as good as max Payne 2 and i just wasn't absorbing the plot in the way i should have and um I thought it was a fine. I thought it was a fine entry. I was like, "Wow, Remedy produces really solid games," but that's all I thought about. Mm-hmm. But I did think the driving part was really weird, <laughs> and I didn't know why it was there. And I was like, "Do I have to search every inch of this place for coffee thermoses?" Yeah. <laughs> because I'm going to kill myself. Yeah, yeah.
2: I did notice. I, I was wondering, like, because there's parts of the game where there's like long stretches of driving over kind of nothing, and I was yeah. like. I'm not gonna find all these coffee. I'm not going in there. Like I'm just driving through that building. I'm not going in that building. There's probably a coffee thermos in there. Uh, I'm leaving. Like it's probably an achievement that Gamerscore would have really. It wouldn't, gamer score really mattered, I'm not going in there for some Gamerscore. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I don't even. I don't even know what it unlocked. I mean, the the manuscript pages were at least interesting because yeah, they yeah. added to the narrative. I have no idea what the coffee thermos yeah, is didn't, did, that was and so I think we went was... a long way out for some of those bastards. <laughs> and they were not worth it. I'm, are there a
2: hundred? There, there better 100. not be. I think there's a hundred
0: because <laughs> I think I saw something that was like out of a hundred in an achievement or something. But uh, probably just some like ridiculous, huge gamer score achievement that was probably the only appeal of it. um
1: now, johnny I, cheeky, another Twin Peaks yeah. reference, and like you know, Alan Wake awake. Ha ha ha. Coffee.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Damn good coffee. Ah, Oh, God. Which
1: I loved when Agent Nightingale was introduced and he's the exact opposite of agent dale cooper he's like right. I showed up i hate the yeah. smell of pine yeah. coffee <laughs> sucks yeah, this, that guy's great
2: <laughs> that guy just like was a horrible person tried to kill you tried to kill your friend and then dies it's pretty hilarious yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: and i love his um his running joke of calling you different author names because it's right, clearly yeah. whatever author comes to his mind yeah, It's like yeah. one well, minute it's like Hey Dan Brown, yeah, why don't yeah. you uh, go write us a story, Stephen King? Yeah. Uh, what do you think You James Joyce or something? Hey, Raymond Chandler, yeah, Raymond
2: Chandler yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, that was that was pretty funny.
0: Now, uh, now Johnny, I, I am curious because you you played this game when it first came out in 2010, and you replayed it obviously recently for the podcast. And and you're you're a writer by by trade now, and I, I'm wondering, did playing this game now does it hit you any differently because of that?
1: it does um because there's so much in it that uh even if you're not you know writing fiction and writing because bo- who honestly who can do that more like five people can like make a living that way but i was a journalist for a magazine and i was under deadlines and i did have editors who uh would edit for no fuck Reason, <laughs> uh, just to put their little stamp on it, just to be like, yeah, I, I did something to it. Um, so I totally get the frustrations, and it's totally echoed in that first scene, which turns out to be a dream. So a little trite, you know. It's uh, the the cold open turns out to be a dream, but in that dream, you're you're facing a shadow uh, called the Hitchhiker, and he's actually you find out character in your, your new book. Um, and he's just going to town he's like you're a hack writer nothing you write is good you know like if it weren't for your editors like no one would like your (laughs) books you know like and it's it's totally that um uh you know and I i think there's something about like deadlines you know not making your deadlines and stuff and it's totally that writer's based anxiety and like um And, you know, I think, uh, you know, uh, I went to school and and graduated with an English degree, so, you know, we were reading all the time, and it it sort of does something to you. I hit the mic there, I'm sorry. No, you're good. Um, good. Keep going. (laughs) It does something to you uh, where it's it's really hard once you've seen kind of the best the medium has to offer to like make your meager contribution to it so it takes you know it takes courage to put a creation out there and be like you know is this good enough for the world and there's a lot of anxiety attached to that and add on to that when other people get in the way and start messing with your artistic vision and uh, I think that that anxiety comes through from the beginning and carries all the way.
2: Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, think yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, because it is a very like inner, like anxious driven kind of narrative, right? Because basically the whole thing, there's so many times where it's just Alan Wake going nuts or it's taking place in his head kinda, you kind of see into his head, you see him, you hear him all the time with all the VO and everything.
1: I mean, Uh, really the only thing that perhaps we're sure takes place in the real world is the boat ride and little trip to town and the visit to the house on the lake. After that, it's all his book.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm or, honestly kind of choosing in my mind to just believe that it was all in his head, and he's actually crazy. Because that, that that way, the game makes more sense to me. Honestly, what a cop out. <laughs> you can hat. say you can say that about any anything, yeah. anytime in any <laughs> yeah. movie, or I mean, book, or anything. I don't know. Yeah. But the narrative in the game is. Just, I mean, yeah. Can we talk good, about? The, can like, we jump to the narrative? Yeah. Go. Yeah. Ahead. Go ahead. Yeah.
2: yeah <laughs> my, let's get into like,
0: it. I don't know. I mean, from it's kind of like all over the place I'll be honest I mean granted I I, given given my deadlines I I did have to kind of play this game very quickly and wasn't able to kind of you know uh, milk it as much as I wanted to and spend as much time kind of exploring as I wanted to but like I, I I barely understand who Thomas Zane is. Like I know he like wrote the book before. Then he wrote Alan in. Now they're like just writing each other like love letters. Is what that is. part made yeah. that part didn't. Okay, I, I'm with you yeah. on that one. I, I mean, okay.
1: So do we want to do a little rundown of the plot? Uh, a quick one.
0: If you want to dig into it, I'm sure it's, can it's it's you it's it's quick. Explain it better It'll be I quick. Can. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Please do. Yeah.
1: So basically, Max uh, Max Payne, <laughs> 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 Alan Wake. Uh, he's has he's a writer who's known for the Alex Casey series of books. That's essentially a reference to Max Payne. When they have an expert excerpt from Max Payne, they get the same voiceover actor um so essentially alan wake is already sam lake you know he's the writer of max Payne. so anyways he's had writer's block he killed off his character he wants to do something new but he's had writer's block for two years wife convinces him to go on a vacation to pacific northwest they arrive at bright falls They get a key from a weird old woman, like you do. Uh, (laughs) They go (laughs) to the cabin they've rented, um, which is this... Like, you get to the cabin, and I'm like, was was the camp where all the kids were killed and you know ghosts are haunting was that already booked because yeah. <laughs> this place is like creepy as hell there's like <laughs> ravens and a creepy old bridge <laughs> anyways they get into a fight alice falls into the river alan jumps in after her and from that moment moment on the game starts kind of proper but from that moment on alan is actually trapped in the darkness in the lake um And everything you're playing is uh, a book that he's writing. And the book starts turning into a horror story because of the influence of what's called the dark presence, which is living in the lake. Right. Um, And this same thing happened to a poet in the 60s or 70s named Thomas Zane and he, uh, his wife died, she drowned in the lake, and he wanted to bring her back. So he used the power of this lake, which can turn art into reality, to bring her back. But that brought the darkness back with her. So, you know, he gets defeated, he's sucked into the lake, he becomes this beacon, beacon of light. So Alan Wake writes this whole adventure, and at some point uh, Thomas Zane contacts him in the dark place. And he gets a little bit of consciousness back. You know, the 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 presence's uh, mind influence over his mind lifts for a little bit, and he's able to write himself into the story. Right. So now he's in the story. Now he can change things. But everything has to be diegetic to what's going on, so there needs to be, things can't just be, he can't just write like, and then the dark presence came, and I got a bazooka, and shot, like, (laughs) things have to be naturalistic.
2: But he can write, apparently, that he gets a flare gun and unlimited flares. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. which are essentially
1: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> the rocket launcher of the game. <laughs> okay. Yes. Yeah. Cool,
2: cool. Keep, sorry, keep, keep going. Um, I'm gonna, that's a plot hole that I'm going to point out in the nitpicks <laughs>
1: section. But so he, uh, he has these adventures. He eventually um, learns about the Lady of the Light, who's this woman who has sort of been touched by the darkness before, so she knows about what's going on. She keeps a box that Thomas Zane wrote into his poem as an insurance policy and basically in that box is a clicker that can defeat the light and uh, okay. but but the reason it has that power is because it is imbued with that like mother's love because uh, Alan as a child it was afraid of the dark and was given this clicker by his mother um, to you know drive away the dark thoughts. So um, by writing <laughs> that into the story, Alan Wake is able to click it and turn on a lighthouse or some shit. Yeah, and, that's
0: part you I know, did not. I was seeing like, so what does the clicker do? Yeah, I literally write that. I
2: have that in my notes right here. What the hell was the clicker? We just shoot a bunch of flares at the tornado and win. I mean, we don't, yeah. we don't use the clicker at all. Like he used the clicker and it turned into daytime at one point. And then I think the voiceover line is, I didn't know what the clicker even did. Maybe it, made it, <laughs> maybe it made it daytime but i couldn't be sure like it's literally just yeah. like alan wake you have a you young. have
1: a good alan wake by <laughs> yeah. the way. you got it down. thank you thank you uh um, that delivery perfect um <laughs> i, heard now, it, so I the, only the, heard
2: like a million vo in the game so that's it, that's all that is
1: <laughs> that's the that's the crazy thing about this is the story uh it's like a do you know what an Ouroboros is like the snake that eats its own tail yeah you know mm. it's like that where totally all of that. these artists could be the ones starting the events because remember the Anderson brothers these these old geriatric rock stars they write a song about the lady of the light so do they write her into existence and then oh, does okay. Thomas Zane yeah. write this other so, thing into existence which then Alan Wake uses to change reality
2: okay so are we yeah so that's that was the confusing part for me is thomas zane writes the clicker which alan wake as a child developed uh, has a memory of and then eventually gives to alice which then comes back to alan wake via something written by thomas zane and then given to him by something supposedly created into existence by other artists The, the lady of the light gives to alan wake so are we are we to believe that this is intentional, like, Ouroboros, I guess, like, circular chicken-egg narrative logic here? Or these, is this just a straight-up plot hole? Like,
1: no, no, shit. I think, so I was just thinking about it. I think the narrative purpose of the light is, um, so we've touched on it before, but uh, to be able to get through this, uh, Alan needs to maintain narrative narrative homeostasis. You know, things need to like Matt. Matt, I thought you might pick up on this. It's like equivalent exchange from uh, Full Metal (laughs) Alchemist.
0: Oh my God! You know, (laughs) yeah, a little bit has to. Yeah.
1: So I just thought of it. The clicker, in a way, is almost symbolizing the switch from Alan Wake uh, from like uh, his wife being in the dark place to him taking her place so now he he has basically sacrificed himself he's gonna stay in the dark place and in return she's able to um to come out and live her life okay. after all the trauma she's endured. but but I'm episode sure.
2: two but episode the, the two bonus episodes alan wake is back though
1: yes so well, he's think... still stuck in the dark place oh, he's he been is. stuck there ever since he jumped in that goddamn lake okay like, Even in Control, uh, Remedy's latest game, he's still stuck there. Oh, he is? They make reference to him. they've been like, he's been there like a decade,
0: you know, trying
1: to write a way out, but he uh, hasn't found a way yet.
0: I'm excited because I did buy Control, and I I am excited to play it for that reason because I knew. I think we can kind of get this into a bit later on. I know it's, like, all connected in the Mm -hmm. Remedy-verse. But that was, like, one of my problems with the game is, like, I didn't read too much into the dlc but i I felt like it gave it a firmer ending but when i beat the game i was just like huh i was a little bit like that too like that that's it huh um yeah especially when
1: like it's a it's a weird ending you know finally Deer Fest is happening. Yeah, it's been f- teased the whole game. <laughs> yeah. I've been excited about it. Fuck Moose Fest. Yeah. Deer yeah. Fest is where it's at. <laughs> that was great. That was great. It happens uh, at the end of the game. People are dancing and stuff, so it's this really jovial ending. And then you see uh, the waitress who's seemingly still yeah possessed. she's like the new lady of the light who's been affected by the dark presence and is like now taking her place yeah Yeah,
2: but i mean okay so i wrote i wrote something for a plot hole here out of a a few plot holes that i thought uh let me know if you guys if we can solve for this one so the a taken is a town's person that's been possessed
1: um I, I yes, mean, yeah. but they're not a real person because they're they got just, written into the story. They were they're just a part of Alan Wake's writing. Okay, okay, that's all. Because
2: I killed two hundred townspeople mm. and everyone's alive still.
1: <laughs> but they are totally like based on the townspeople. I love it because they're they're the NPCs' uh, speech is so great. They they drop these one-liners they that just so either reveal place. like an it, it's totally so. A lot of this game is about how uh the unconscious works you know like um alan wake is essentially trapped in his unconscious um so a lot of these shadow people are just kind of repeating these things that are clearly like deeply ingrained in them like the lumberjack is like widow makers kill 1000 lumberjacks yeah. every year <laughs> you know it's yeah. like as if it's on a safety poster you know yeah, yeah. um uh, what the the hotel owner is like? Check out before noon or they something. Just, yeah, like they just that. yell
0: it's, some blue collar stuff. It's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty two, great. Two of my favorites. I think one was from like one of the farmers. He just randomly screams sixty five million cows and pigs in the world. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was, I was like, huh. <laughs> and I think That's there was so like a fisherman you fight at one point, and he's like. Omega 3 fatty acids are good for your heart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? Yeah, I it was, definitely
1: um, I definitely died at a point where where I kept getting that line dropped over <laughs> and over. So I was like, I thought it was hilarious.
0: <laughs> These um those little lines, like honestly, so many of the one-liners just in general in the game, whether it's from Alan or uh, Barry or whomever, or the sheriff, like in any other context, in like any other game, I'd feel like it'd be cheesy and wouldn't work. But for some reason, I found it so endearing in this game.
1: I thought when I first heard Barry on the phone, I thought, "Oh my god, I'm gonna hate this character. He's gonna plague me through this game." But he turned out to be great. I, I fell in love with Barry. And that's why I felt he's a he's a good about guy. Alan
0: too, because like when you first hear Alan speak, my my first thought is like, "Man, this guy like sounds so pretentious." Like. Like, but then I realize, like, oh my god, that's exactly what they're going for. Like, this is a pretentious author, probably. That's like kind of full of himself. And I'm like, wow, the um, great, great fucking casting. I gotta say, Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: that dude. They, the modeling is a little inconsistent but they knocked out of the park with Alan Wake. Like, yeah. you know, this is coming from a heterosexual male. He is a dilf man. <laughs> like that model. Yeah.
2: The, you know, what's funny is there's parts where you kind of get a live action version, like an actor playing Alan Wake, um, in some mm. of the sequences where you see like him in on the TV, TV shows and stuff. Yeah. There, and it's, yeah.
0: they got a, they got a good looking guy to play out. They did Wake. very well. Yeah. I'm, I'm wondering if they found the actor first. Like, like all right, just, like, enable these dates the thing, and then just based the model off of the, them or something. I think, I, did. I think they did.
1: I think they based the model off of, off of the guy.
2: What I did yeah. notice is uh, the guy's voice was probably not the voice actor for the Alan Wake character in the game. So there was, like, an overdub on some of those actor oh, parts. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. What, specifically when he was on the talk show, there was a, uh, a part uh, in the flashback where he's on the talk show where it's just not matching up very well. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I wasn't a big Barry fan. I mean really I'm a, I'm a big fan really? I'm a fan of Barry in in literal practice of just like a guy from New York in the Pacific Northwest just yelling that's
1: hilarious yeah. But <laughs> it's great he yells at all <laughs> these like small-town people I, like the in the hospital yeah and he's like you, you know who I New- am you ever been to New York yeah <laughs> <laughs> like it's just
2: it, yeah it's just it's silly it's funny and I think like at times it's kind of like cool to have but I don't know it's it's my my general sense was that the game tone was all over the place like I don't know if There's like a difference for me between like just straight comic relief in a situation, which is like what a lot of horror movies have, especially like some nineties horror movies have like a lot of comic relief in it, but then like it kind of just like can break the tone a little bit. Sometimes Barry Mm -hmm. would say something in the middle of a sequence that could have been really scary. Or could have been really tense. Barry's just Mm. like, ah, did you see me kill that guy? But like, I'm like actually scared. Like, I want to be scared. But then he says something that's like not quite the right moment for it. And it just kind of happens. That was a little bit of a fatigue. Not Barry per se. Luckily, Barry doesn't
1: accompany you the whole time.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's not Barry per se. It's just the moments where he might try and have some comic relief where I feel like it it wasn't necessarily warranted.
0: Now, Lucas, that brings me into one of my next questions for you guys. Mm were you actually scared at all when you were playing this game? Okay. Did the horror elements a, hit you at all? I got a hot
2: take for this one. Okay. Okay. Um, I saw the teen rating, and I knew I was not going to be scared. Period. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> right. I, back yeah. in the day when commercials were a regular occurrence in my life, and you'd see a commercial for a scary movie, and you were a young teenager, be like, oh, blah, 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 coming out this summer, PG-13. And you go like, oh, okay, well, I'm not going to get scared from that movie. It's PG-13, for God's sake. Like, the same, I feel like, with teen-rated scary games. Uh, When something's PG-13 or a teen rating in a video game or a movie, it's meant to be massively marked. It's meant to be seen by more people. It's meant to be, like, the parents can take this... Thirteen-year-old or this twelve-year-old to this movie, so it can't be too scary. And Alan Wake, I feel the same way about. It couldn't lean into any gore. It couldn't be grotesque. It couldn't even be like.
1: That was there? Heavy. There wasn't even blood. Was no there? Blood. No blood. There's
2: zero blood. Yeah, there was yeah. zero. There was no decapitations, which my horror movies <laughs> need to have. Um, <laughs> like when you play like a Resident Evil and you die, it's like, oh my god, I just got ripped in half. I never want to see that ever again. Like it's it's a genuine like gut feeling primal when it comes to some horror games when you play them and this game just didn't have it because it couldn't uh i'm not saying that like maybe the, i don't know if the choice was made early on for them to go like the teen direction with it or like the teen rating um but i, I definitely think that it could have been scarier um if it was set to a higher rating i mean that's that a I good think.
0: point like even even if just there was maybe some sort of animation that happened when you got killed by one of the taken because for the most part you don't have that big of a variety of um, yeah. Variety in their weapons. <laughs> yeah, so it wouldn't nah. have been hard to like craft up three or four just like animations to use when you die. Because when you're playing a game like Resident Evil or a game like Dead Space, part of the reason that you're, you're trying so hard to stay alive and you're trying to get through the game is because like yeah, there's these horrifying animations, horrible death animations. <laughs> like, and then yeah. <laughs> versus Alan Wake, it's like some hick, you know, <laughs> hits you with a sickle. Yeah, and then you fall over. Yeah, the death. animation <laughs> yeah. the starts. scariest
1: f- part about that is just the sickle as a weapon you know right. like yeah, yeah exactly. shadow people aren't really scary yeah you can exactly. shine a light at them yeah um so yeah I, I i was never scared i i don't think it's a scary game but i was startled plenty like mm-hmm. they got yeah, some jump scares in there those take and use like raptor tactics you know yeah, like i'll see do. like three of them ahead of me and i'll be like you know measuring it out instead and, and someone comes up from behind and i'm just you know clever girl you know <laughs> yeah
2: yeah that was, that was scary and when when they did like pincer maneuvers and stuff and yeah. like you had to constantly start turning around and like you had to shine a light on this guy. Then you had to go shine a light on that guy. So that he was like kind of, uh, you know, delayed for a quick second. Kill that other guy. Kill this guy. Throw a flare. Like when there was a lot of enemies on screen and you were in a very specific position, I feel like the combat got actually very fun and very involved. It was stressful. It and was it, like And it was scary. Yeah. And it was, it was scary, you know, because like they'd mm-hmm. get close and your heart rate would jump. And I was like, okay, now it feels like a little bit of a scary game because my heart is racing. You know, and so. I
0: do love too that they add that in so early on, like the raptor tactics were like one, you know, they have three in front of them, one come up behind you randomly. Because every time when you were playing the rest of those four or five episodes, every time you're checking your back, like you're six every yeah. five seconds when you're walking through the forest, because like you know that that can happen. That's that's the precedent that's yeah. set. Um, and yeah, it's it just, got
1: me a lot though. Me too. Right. Like I yeah, didn't too. learn. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. I got I got a hot one for you guys. You know, it okay. was not scary and not fun. The flying objects.
1: Oh, yeah. Those were, were annoying. Pain, I,
2: yeah. I didn't think they were cool or fun or a great game design sense or anything. I think they and were just And the kind weird of
1: thing is, like... Uh a huge, you would get hit by like a tractor and it's like <laughs> a sliver of your life I'm, is taken away. And I'm like, what, what is the, sometimes what are a, the rules of this world? Sometimes
2: like a barrel would do more damage than a, a freaking tractor. And like, yeah. you didn't really have the ability to dodge that stuff. Unlike you'd have the ability to dodge like sickles and chainsaws and axes being thrown at you. So those are kind of fun to play against. Cause there was counterplay, but like mm. objects, I kind of wrote this down in my notes is, you saw an object floating in the air okay so uh, sometimes it wasn't clear what was the possessed object and what wasn't because right. that was it's crazy.
1: just a little bit of like shadowy it's just a shimmer shadow. around yeah, so it's just it like, yeah.
2: so you couldn't tell so you'd shine your light on the object and you'd have to immediately decide if you're able to shine your light on it long enough before it flies at you or if you should just start running now or like take cover yeah. somewhere and i the times i died the most were the sequences where that were just pure object sequences the
0: bridge Dude, the final bridge sequence, I died like five times.
2: Yeah, the bridge sequence was like so lame to me, where you have to go one-on-one against that tractor, (laughs)
1: you you literally
2: just shine a light on a track that's like the boss fight is this this tractor that you shine your flashlight on and i'm like oh my god this isn't even cool this isn't even fun (laughs) and then the well the
1: crows are the same thing you know like you see a crow and it's like it's gonna hit you before you can shine a light on it long enough yeah so you just kind of have to take the hit and that's it's annoying and if you i guess you can drop a flare but
2: yeah yeah if you were near a cliff it's just like, all right, well, I'm just going to jump off the cliff and I <laughs> just try to try this again. Cause the object yeah, yeah. would hit you. Sometimes two objects
0: would hit you and you just fall off the cliff. That happened to me several times. Yeah. There'd be some moments who were like, like it, particularly in the final bridge crossing, um, to get to like head towards the lake. I don't know why I had so much trouble with it, but and I got hit by the objects really early on. I was like, well, this this runs fucked just jump off because like, yeah. right, yeah. <laughs> you know you're gonna That's, get just fucked up either way yeah.
1: i you know right cove's highest suicide spot <laughs> right ever. it's that bridge yeah. Yeah.
2: side side note you know what i discovered is really funny about when you play like games from a couple generations ago is that loading screens are so fast and non-like mm. consequential that when you die you're just immediately back to where you were like two seconds ago it's almost comical like it's (laughs) it's like how loading screen tips in skyrim shouldn't exist anymore because if you play skyrim there's no loading screens or fallout or anything like that so it's like there's probably a lot going on on some of these loading screens where like you might see some you might get a vibe or there could be some music Mm -hmm. but if you just die it's just like oh All right, we're back. (laughs) (laughs) You're just immediately running across the bridge again. I think it's kind of a funny little consequence of just, like, the evolution of, like, computing power affecting what? what... You know, dying probably felt so much different in 2010 because you would die, wait 30 seconds for your load to go back. And then you'd have some music and you'd go like, OK, it's time to go. I don't want to die again. But this time you just kind of right. brunt force your way through. Just yeah. like Matt said, like, oh, that's run Whatever. I'm just going to. Yeah. Yeah, run well, in and the it room.
1: completely changes, like if you play like Resident Evil, you know, whatever remake or whatever they did um there's no doors. you know you go back and it's it's the same layout of the, as the original spencer ranch and but um yeah you go those doors that used to be like just uh, a loading screen uh, and you're waiting waiting, <laughs> waiting wait and then fi- finally you feel like you can roam around this damn house without like judging the waste of time it'll take to get through all the loading screens to get through somewhere like yeah. is that herb really worth it like <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> it's such an interesting gaming uh thing that that's happened you know where like certain there used to be so much intention behind like a loading screen or a death or how it would feel to the gamer or the delay or the time and now it's just like a non-factor in it i think it's very mm-hmm. i think it's very interesting but anyway just a side note there
1: um, can we talk a little bit about the uh, product placement in the game? Oh
2: my God. Okay. Yeah.
1: G- generally. It, just like a TV show. <sighs> okay. <so> <laughs> <it's> <laughs> I, I have yeah. a
2: general, like, I don't really like product placement that much. I think it really, like, takes me out of it and, like,. It's kind of cringeworthy sometimes, especially knowing, like, seeing the Microsoft Studios logo at the beginning. Whatever the <laughs> and, fuck that was, like, then, that's gone. And then seeing the uh, Energizer batteries, the Verizon billboard. Which, that literally- the Energizer
1: batteries? Who in marketing approved this? This is the worst product placement ever. You turn on your flashlight on high mode. They're the you worst get about batteries. 6 seconds of life yeah. and you have They're to the change the batteries. batteries. They do not keep like, going and going
2: and going. Yeah. And like the in the car, they have um in like the Ford car that your wife is driving or you're driving, there's like the Microsoft Bluetooth Smart Sync on I don't know if you guys caught that, but it's like the mm-hmm. hardware built into the car for the radio and it says Microsoft on it and then there is a Verizon billboard yeah. literally you can't miss it in your face.
0: And it's the most yeah. Like, it gets
1: it gets <laughs> torn apart by the ter- hurricane, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I. The yeah. um,
0: they were all over the place, and that that kind of kind of transitions us nicely into like just art. I mean, what did you guys think of the art style? I I was impressed actually. Like I was impressed by, by the technical. In 2010. The technical. Yeah. Yeah. The technical. The They came of it. out in 2010. I and even honestly, I even thought like for the most part, the models and everything looked really good. Like I was extremely impressed. That this game came out in 2010. Like for comparison, Lucas, like I think of Spec Ops the Line, right? We played that in 2012, I think, or not? We didn't play it, but it came out in 2012 um, or 2011. And like this game looks infinitely better. You think so? Than Spec Ops, I think it does. Honestly, uh, maybe I'm just giving it too much credit, but I, I thought it was really. I think it was really I, good. I think it looks a lot model- better
1: than I remember. Like look, seeing it in high res, um, and I don't think they remastered. I think they're just the high res uh, textures. Yeah, I did play um, it on my PC. It looks good.
0: Yeah, and I don't think it's remastered or anything. Maybe I went into it with low expectations, but I was impressed. I was
1: still like that Bright Falls, that entrance on the boat is still like that scene is just breathtaking. I love taking that in each time I play. I
2: I, I do think it's pretty impressive for the time. But I mean, as far as the artistic visual choices, it's like... I mean it's Pacific Northwest stuff so it's like pretty bland and monochromatic yeah. for most of the time so I guess that's not really like uh, creative decisions that are very like variable but um I think from a technical standpoint like the lighting effects are better than a lot of games even today Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if we count that as art style. Um, I I, I factored it in there. Yeah, that's that's where I placed it. I think that the lighting effects uh, were, I mean, were there with the whole game. I mean, like it was like a central mechanic to the fighting. Um, There was like, you know, you found your secret caches of like weapons and stuff using light and flashlights and stuff. Uh, It was a core mechanic of the game. And it was cool that everything generated a shadow. Everything generated Mm -hmm. a shadow that was realistic, that made sense. Um, And, you know, it was cool.
1: Did Lucas? Did you end up playing the two DLC episodes? Or I did no? not. No. So, th- it was clear they were like you know getting a little bit more comfortable with the game engine because they were they tried a few new things. They put like more f- emphasis on physics and like you would so- solve puzzles by like you know shooting at a light and making it swing and stuff um so i kind of like that like even even that they kind of stepped up um as they went along
0: yeah and honestly i just love the use of lighting in the game like the lighting in my opinion looks so good. I mean it should, right? It's like the one of the, it's main the core of the thing. <laughs> again, yeah, it's, yeah. it's light versus dark. Yeah. yeah. I remember Lucas was texting while he was playing, he's like, bro, this is like a like a lighting tech demo. Yeah, the whole well, it's <laughs> funny
2: because the game did start with a tech demo in the two thousand five E three reveal of it, and like the the lighting, the day to night, um, and like the the setting were like the main things that made people go, like, Okay, you guys gotta make a full on game off this. And right. It was yeah. like and like it makes sense. I mean, it's it's mm. like came out for the Xbox 360, um, like kind of at the peak of the Xbox 360 era. No, because Xbox 360 came out in 2006. I was state. thinking
1: this had to be late in its life because end, the, it yeah. looks too good. 2005 you know? yeah. or
2: six was Xbox 360, so yeah, this would have been the tail end um, in you know 2010. So I think it was like a total tech demo of like what you can really do with lighting effects because I don't think a lot of games had as as uh, sophisticated lighting and particle effects as this. I
0: game mean, had. it looks better than some games do today. Like I'm telling you this, Lucas, like fucking cyberpunk. I mean, granted, I had to play that on very low <laughs> settings on my PC. To did be not, fair. It did not. Did not look but as good. I played it. That's the game that came out in 20 20 nude pedestrians. Or yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, and the lighting looks so much better in Alan Wake than it does in Cyberpunk. And again, I had no ray tracing or any of that shit. But neither did fucking Alan Wake in 2010. Yeah, and it looks way better. Still and don't know what ray tracing like, is. Nobody tells. I me. just know it makes the lighting. Look. Oh. <laughs> it it, it oh. reflects <laughs> off,
1: uh, you know, curved surfaces. It, it oh, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. It casts Tera, reflections teraflops. on curved surfaces. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> teraflops and Google flexes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So um, we're
2: we're we're into the we're heavy into the episode, guys. I think we should jump into uh, sound design here. Mm. All right, yeah. I'll go first. I'll go. Uh, oh. 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 Yeah. All right. No. I'll go first. All right. You go second. Okay. <laughs> um. I mean, music's great. Fighting sounds are great. Screaming is great. Guns. Overall, fight sounds are awesome. My only critique, only criticism, is the voiceover. I think the voiceover <laughs> choices. I mean, I Alan, Wakes, Alan Wake's like voiceover. Alan Wake's voice is fine. I think his. I think his voice actor is great. But like, literally, sometimes the voiceover is like, okay, the one where the axe guy is like breaking in. I saw the video. I, I I'll put the clip in here uh, in post production. But like, the clip is. Axe guy breaks is breaking down the door. It's like doosh, doosh, and Alan Wake goes, "I knew I had to get out of there." And it's like, of course you had to get out of there. It's like they are
1: definitely they they provide you with hints in the form of verbal cues so quickly. Yeah, I'm like, fuck you, Alan. I'm looking for a thermos. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it's
2: like it's dark in the forest, and you hear the voiceover go, "It was dark." And I knew yeah. I had to find Alice. Yeah, but
1: that's, that's totally, been, that is, uh, <laughs> that that's a the Sam game. Lake trope. They <laughs> have narration in all of their games. First person narration, um, voiceover. Uh, that's their thing. You know, it's, it's that noir influence. You know, Sam Lake likes noir stuff. So yeah. that's what you're going to get. I guess that's what and I'm going
0: to th- get. Now, I haven't played any other Sam Lakes games. So I don't know how egregious it is in any of his other... Um, um any other games that he's worked on but lucas i i i'm gonna really go, go hard, for it hard let me hear it. here let me hear it it works perfectly in this game i'll admit it was jarring at first like the on the point voiceover but the whole premise is that he's like writing out the fucking story like i took the story i took the narrative that he was the voiceover i took that as him like actively writing it out he's a
1: I hacky point, writer you know, remember yeah like, yeah,
0: he's a hack. He's shit. Yeah, but, yeah. but okay, but okay, like shit. But so shit, works. the
2: character's a shit writer. So the the writing is shitty for that reason. That's not cool. No, That's I just-
1: think he's he's found more potential. <laughs> being true to himself after the alex casey books or some bullshit you know
0: yeah <laughs> it's like <laughs> okay, but um but, but like
1: he's I, a good writer but he's been selling out you know what yeah, i mean I get and that. like we we see these scenes of him like a little bit of his public persona and he like gets drunk and gets into fights with people you know he's flippant and arrogant you know on like interviews so the whole world thinks he's an asshole
2: yeah and a lot of people don't like it. Well, somebody makes a comment like, yeah, I've read your writing before, a little heavy on the metaphor, but it's good, yeah. it's good. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And like, you know, there's references to him being kind of a hack and all that kind of stuff where he doesn't like some of his stuff is kind of what's implied. But that doesn't mean that the writing or the voiceover's lines could be this, like, blatantly, like, <laughs> lame. Uh, that was that was the part of me. It's just, like, an excuse for the in-game character not being a great writer does not give the excuse for the actual writers of the game to, like, get away with,
1: I but knew it's his I writing. had to get out of there.
2: This game, have you
1: have you guys ever talked about uh, the concept of, like, ludonarrative harmony and ludonarrative Mm-mm. dissonance?
2: Is that, like, game so- game narrative? Uh, exactly like how well
1: the game narrative blends with the gameplay so he you know i think this game is a perfect example of it like the guns are guns you would have access to in the pacific northwest right the dodge he looks like he's flailing around like an idiot like (laughs) it's exactly how an untrained author would try to dodge an axe you know like this game is very cogent of like Um, making everything uh, work, like even the gameplay uh, moments uh, narratively, like they serve a narrative function.
2: Okay, okay. Johnny, you know what Johnny just did? Johnny just, just adjusted my take a little bit. He just he managed he managed to do it with a big with a big uh, what do you call that like a five hundred dollar word loot loo- yes. narrative right <laughs> it's, it's a good that's a good word we're bringing that to future podcast episodes I I there get it I mean you know it's the the within the narrative of the game yes it makes sense that these voiceover lines exist but mm-hmm. like they're just not. I can't get over like the uh, you're in the forest in the dark looking for Alice and Alan Wake tells you it was dark and I had to find <laughs> Alice.
1: Like I'm not gonna um, no no I'm not gonna defend it. Don't worry. You know what I am curious. <laughs> to you, read. you can have that opinion. <laughs> what I will say is I love the uh, the the uses of music. Like, they, they're really good at injecting music through really naturalistic means. Like, you know, you go into the diner and you you put on the jukebox. Alan Wake is, he, he totally Fonzies the jukebox. Yeah. It's great. You know, yeah. he punches it, it works. Uh, that's how you know he's a badass from yeah. get-go. Yeah. And then it starts playing, like, put the lime in the coke yeah, yeah, and drink them. And, like, uh, if you listen to the radio shows, they'll end with, like, um you know a song and sometimes there's awesome songs and i'm like damn what's his name uh you know that old guy who runs the radio station like Main. he's hip man yeah yeah <laughs> yeah pat main's hip
0: <laughs> i um i am curious too to see or i, I i'm never going to read any of them but i know that alan wake has a so bunch of books associated with his world that like expand upon the story um I'm really curious, like how those are written. (laughs) Oh my God! (laughs) If they're all as cheesy as like the writing in the game is, perhaps I'm sure Sam
1: Lake like distances himself completely from those. I know of their existence, but no, I've never read one.
0: Yeah, Um, Johnny, anything else you want to add on sound design?
1: Um, No, I think that's it. Just I like the kind of diegetic, you know, naturalistic way sound came in.
0: Yeah. All right, NPC award. Um, Lucas Barry, Barry, use, it's Barry. It, okay. it just is.
2: I mean, I I know I criticized him earlier. Again, it's not Barry per se. It's just the comic relief and how he's used in certain parts that I think undercut mm-hmm. uh parts that can be pretty scary. But Barry's hilarious. I mean, it's just a guy from New York. Gonna what's going on over here? Get your hands off my client! Like
1: yeah. it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's and hilarious. that's that's a great thing. He he's he's he clearly has loyalty to Alan, which makes him like much more tolerable. Yeah. You know, like you're like, okay, he's a real friend, you know, he is an asshole, like little New Yorker, but like, you know he's he's great yeah yeah
2: he's got the joe pesci thing going on you know yeah. he's he's ready to beat some guys up if he has to he he's got that he's wearing the lamp.
1: loudest clothes red <laughs> right. you know just biggest target yeah
2: and he gets drunk yeah. with you at one point it makes you drink the moonshine. Yeah. yeah that was cool
1: on the moonshine distilled from the pure waters from of cauldron lake, lake. Yep. <laughs> that's
2: right so
0: that's right yeah you, you know got, that Matt?
1: shit's gonna be bad
0: so I, I had Barry too, basically for all the same reasons you do um but strong, I, I have to give a strong shout out to the strong second place of, I don't even remember their names, but the, the old rocker guys. The oh, the brothers. Thornodin. Yeah. The brothers. Yeah. Oh, Thor and Odin. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're just so fucking crazy. I love it. Like, I don't insane. know how much of this is meant to be interpreted as real or not, but they literally just like clock a fucking like nurse in the <laughs> in the the mental home. They're just like all over the place. And um, uh, well, we'll get into this later, but them specifically also tie into my favorite moment in the game. Yeah. But nice. Johnny.
1: Um, my favorite NPC is the Alan Wake cutout that uh, joins the good. party for about half the game. Yeah, he that, uh, he, he represents your sort of youngin persona. You know, he's how the world views Alan Wake. Bear uses it to uh, to joke at Alan's expense. It's like it's like Alan looking at how people think of him. And I think even when they get drunk, he hallucinates at talking to him. It's the best character. (laughs) Okay. And Barry saves it from a helicopter crash, I think, or a car crash or something.
0: He does, and I gotta say one of the things that made me question like is what's happening in the game is it all in Alan's head or is it real like I'm like there's no way Barry would go to like that much effort just to save that fucking cut this must be like Alan's ego or something like coming through in his unconscious mind but I don't know That's it interesting.
2: Totally is. I, I think this is the first yeah. time that we've had an inanimate object as uh, as a uh, NPC pick for the NPC award you know I'm not going to debate it but I think I will bring this up to the commissioner of of thanks for playing and see what he has to say about it I think he's he, M- may might I say one thing in my defense Go ahead. Yeah. In
1: the hallucination scene, he does talk, ah. so he's not completely inanimate.
2: Okay. There we go. Okay. There we go. The commissioner's yeah, gotta yeah, gotta, yeah. gotta accept this one.
1: Uh, <laughs> all right. I'll, uh, I'll await the ruling. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so, uh, companion piece pick. I will let you two go. Johnny,
0: take it off.
1: Okay. Uh, I have two uh, movie. I would say adaptation. Uh, have any of you guys seen
0: it? I There's just, a movie adaptation of this? I, I, no,
2: no, no. The movie adaptation no, no. by, the movie by adaptation. Uh, Charlie Kaufman. I haven't seen it. Starring yeah, <laughs> Nicolas Cage and Nicolas Cage, written by Charlie Kaufman, and his brother.
1: Oh. Yes.
0: Yeah. I do love Nick Cage. Great, Great movie. So check that out. Great movie. That's,
1: and that's exactly why his brother is exactly why I think it's perfect. Because not only does it have the layers of you know writing, influencing the real world and stuff, but the whole movie does that. By giving co-writing credit to Charlie Kaufman's twin, who doesn't exist, but since he's credited as the co-writer when it was nominated for an Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, Donald Kaufman was nominated along with him, who doesn't exist, is yeah, a insane. fake person. So, so that thought, shows you it's it's great. It's like you know, art conjures reality.
2: Yeah, that was a that, that's a great. I just recently watched that one, Matt. I recommended it to you. As the Did movie you? equivalent of the beginner's guide, um, which is a great okay. game that we played, which I, I it's it's not not only it's not necessarily breaking the fourth wall. It it doesn't have a regard for a fourth wall whatsoever. Yeah, it's, kinda, exactly. it's, it's kind of what uh, the adaptation is. Uh, it's also Nicolas Cage basically at a peak. Uh, for mm. sure, it's really, really, really solid. That's funny that it's an adapted screenplay, though. Technically, uh, by the Oscar. Yeah, it's rolling. adapted
1: from the or the Orca thief. Thief. yeah, the but woman. it's like so. Which, beyond How <laughs> brave of that writer to allow them to to do that, shift the story <laughs> to make her like a drug fiend, like yeah. you know, who's yeah. like you know, she was having like, sex with this weirdo. She
2: was like, "Oh, Meryl Streep's gonna play me. All right, do whatever you want." Yeah, yeah. Uh, Matt, watch that
0: movie. It's a it's a solid one. That's a great pick. It's going on the list, yeah. Yeah. Um I, I um I think I chose a pretty obvious cop out for, for my companion piece. Um it's been mentioned a lot today so far. Twin Peaks. Yeah. How, how can he not? Um Great I, show. The things that I love about this game, what I really like about this game, are the exact same type of things that I loved in Twin Peaks, just like the random, like, quirkiness of the characters, these, like, random one-liners that make make no sense in the context, like, things that break the mood. Like, Lucas, you were mentioning earlier how so much of the time in the game you were taken out of the moment because, like, these random one-liners from, like, Barry or something. But for me, I'm like, fuck yeah, like, that's what I love about this, like, random stuff that, in the context of this game, worked perfectly for me because I was playing through the game thinking of Twin Peaks the whole time. Okay. Um, And it just, it all, it all melded together. And like this game's so weird. And Twin Peaks is so fucking weird. Actually, Twin Peaks, I don't know, maybe another day we'll get into this, but how's my favorite scene in like any television or movie of all time? Ooh, okay. Um, Spoiler alert, Twin Peaks, everybody. Which one? Yeah. Um, The scene where he gets shot, the agent, Agent Dale Cooper. And then the guy's just like, I know you. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. Like the the old guy. guy. Yeah. And it's like a three or four minute scene of him just like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember I was watching it with my my roommate, Alex, and we're both just like, huh? yeah, you would like, like, is this still going? <laughs> yeah. So the only,
2: yeah, you would you would like a lot of uh, some early David Lynch or you would probably especially like Blue Velvet um, or yeah. Mulholland Drive if you watch those. Because it's definitely got a lot of those like so off the wall sequences that are just like, that was kind of weird, but kind of funny, but brave. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like... I
1: think Mulholland Drive was my first Lynch movie, but that's another influence, like Lynch and um, H.P. Lovecraft, you know? Yeah, for sure. So many influences in this there, game.
2: There is a lot. It, it, is, it is quite a Oh, mix.
1: Scandinavian folklore with Tor and yeah. Odin. <laughs> totally, totally. All
2: right, um, so my companion piece pick... Um, I actually have quite a bit here. So I'm going to be bold on this companion piece pick section. I actually asked for a few minutes here uh, before we got on the pod with Matt. Um, I am going to officially discover, dub a new genre here on this podcast, Okay, It's going to be the first historic usage of this uh, particular genre. I alluded to it earlier at the top of the episode. I am dubbing it Pacific Northwest Core, Okay. (laughs) uh it is i grew up in the pacific northwest for those of you that don't know um in corvallis oregon uh western oregon willamette valley about an hour and a half south of portland um so you know i grew up going hiking spending time in the woods uh exploring hanging out and all that stuff and you know a lot of these things uh they're not necessarily how the locals view the pacific northwest but these genre conventions are the genre conventions that how I would define Pacific Northwest core uh, trees, mountains, usually large bodies of water, always present in a Pacific Northwest core piece of media, darkness, fog, mystery, death or murder, horror elements of various kinds, and usually a supernatural element of some kind. Um, oftentimes shady townspeople, too. Shady townspeople, usually some sort of discovery or a- adventure style um, in the genre. So Got a few here. Obviously, Twin Peaks is sort of the godfather of PNW core, as I am crowning it on this podcast episode. But you got Oxenfree, a game that we did recently. Uh, you got uh, Coraline. anybody ever seen Coraline? It's got Twilight. Shout outs Twilight. <laughs> Come on, I mean, you just got it. Uh, you got to include that. You got the guess. Goonies. You got <laughs> Stand I don't know by I haven't Me. Seen it. You got the Goonies. You got Stand by Me. Life is Strange. Life uh, oh God! Yeah, life is strange. Uh, this is not an American one. Wo- uh, this, this, the original does not take place in in the Pacific Northwest, but the Ring takes place in the Pacific Northwest. That takes place in Seattle, the American version. It has of
1: the a very world. oppressive Seattle feel. The, yeah, the, the, the very darkness. rainy, very dark, yeah. and all that stuff. Lots of greens. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and we can go down the list. Pacific Northwest Core, it's a, it's a brand new genre that we're kind of bringing into light here, okay? And it's funny that we've already played Oxenfree, and I know you've played Life is Strange, Matt. I know that you're a fan of of that one. So um, anyway, good. That, that's, that's what we got, all right? That's Lucas's contribution to the com- companion piece pick section this week.
1: I like it. I forgot Shit. that Oxenfree was Pacific Northwest. That's yeah. uh, oh, yeah. that's one um, I have to go back to. I played uh, it, but uh, cable cars I need to play it again. Cable, cable cars. cars. That's a con, cars, that's a
2: genre. Yeah. That's a genre convention of, of Pacific Shit, Northwest. Got cor-
0: that in Oxenfree. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They do.
2: They do. Trains, trains yeah. uh, are are actually a thing. Trains and usually like mining and mountains, uh, like caves and mining yes, and stuff like that. Stand by Me's got a famous train scene. The Goonies has caves uh, and trees, obviously. Uh Oxenfree has all those things. <laughs> so it's pretty pretty obvious. Uh, now-, now
1: you need to write a manifesto and start the movement. <laughs> yeah. you, you know, you have the template.
2: Yeah. yeah. Pacific Northwest core. We got we, yeah. we have done it here on this pod. All right. Yeah, I love it. Go ahead. I Matt. like
1: it. I, I want it to catch on like wildfire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all
2: right. Favorite moment. All right, um Lucas oh. take it away uh, it's moment. it's gonna be the hospital part uh, where like the the guy the doctor tries to trick you into thinking that everything was a dream and then like five minutes later it's kind of just goes back <laughs> it gets peeled back very quickly uh, I like that part it felt like a really great breath um, to the story because like before that's it's very intense and very dark and now it's a daytime scene in this hospital it feels very safe for one which I think is uh kind of you got to have, you know, uh, feel safe. And then all that safety reels back when you discover that the doctor's lying to you and then it becomes nighttime, the, t- the, the, the brothers knock out the nurse and then the, all the furniture starts floating and then Barry's there with the cutout and then you got to run through a hedge <laughs> maze. It's a great, great sequence of events. I think it's really fun. Um, I, I like when things and movies are pretty good at this. I like when there's, um, immediate contrast between something feeling extremely safe to something becoming very, very dangerous, very fast. Uh, and that moment, that whole beginning of that chapter was, was spot on with that style.
0: Johnny,
1: man, uh, favorite moment is tough. Um, I mean, I—it's I, not going to be my favorite moment. I love the the entrance to Bright Falls; that's wonderful. Um, the rock performance is an easy choice. I feel like that's a little, but that's like the most hype moment for sure. Uh, that's also a remedy uh, convention: is having some song by Poets of the Fall play at some point uh, during the the game. Um, but I, I have to say, I. I I do really like the uh, the break that's provided. You know what? I'm not going to steal your thunder. I am going <laughs> to say the trailer park scene. I love going through that trailer park. I think it shows what Remedy is a master of that keeps this game looking fresh even now is how all these little objects are scattered everywhere that feel very like naturally placed. Like someone, you know, was having a barbecue and there are you know, chairs in places that make sense. And it's very, um, it just makes, since the places don't look like, you know, shootout arenas, like, you know, something in like Gears of War or something where you're like, this isn't a real place. This is just, you know, cover and, um, they they do a really good job of creating natural places. And I thought the trailer park felt very natural. And then waking up to her little, um, her little Alan Wake uh, uh, shrine. That was a, a nice right. creepy moment.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was kind of, and that that wasn't the the dark whatever influencing singer. That's just her. That's just yeah. She's well, like it was
1: because Barbara Barbara Jagger, uh, who is the the presence's physical form was there influencing her but (laughs) she was already obsessed she was already obsessed with Alan Wake she didn't let's just say even if she didn't have that shrine she had all that shit available to her to quickly build a shrine
0: um, (laughs) either way yeah it was just under the bed she she was waiting to get possessed Um, that's
1: also the scene uh, Agent Nightingale gets introduced at the end of that so
0: oh yeah he shows um, up and tries to shoot you. Yeah, I remember that. So, I'm gonna take the easy one. I fucking loved the concert battle. Mm. Um, it's a great one. the The one liners from Barry coming out like, "Oh, what a way <laughs> to die!" Al, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, I, I, it was just so fun. And like in a, in the game, that's like so bogged down or tries to bog you down um, with like the darkness and everything to go into like this crazy, ridiculous. Um, concert where you already have like the background, kind of Thor and Odin, who are clearly like these crazy guys as well. Um, just super, super fun and fun little shootout. And um, honestly, a decent little bit of challenge too. If you get caught off guard, or, like aren't paying attention to one side of the staircase, you can very easily get overwhelmed while you're like trying to reload or something like that. So,
1: oh, I restarted um, a few times for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I uh, got a, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And then um, I also just loved every fucking little one liner that came out of the, the the Taken's mouths are just so random. I, I can't get over the omega three one. I was like, huh. Like, <laughs> I mean, I take the vitamins every night, but huh? Like, yeah, yeah. All right, they real want quick.
1: to be informative. Now it's an educational game. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. I felt like as the game went on, too. the kept, like, at least I remember the more as the game went on. Like, they kept getting a little more poignant. Like. I feel like earlier on, they were just kind of more like nonsense. And then it got very specific, like the cows and like the fatty acids and shit like Mm -hmm. that. I was like, wait, huh? But yeah. Mm All right. Real quick. We're running a little late on this one. Nitpicks. I'll go real quick here. Um, I actually felt the game felt a little short. Granted, Mm -hmm. again, uh, I, I did have to rush through it just to time constraints. But even then... Um, I felt like it had kind of an unsatisfying ending. And I'm a little upset that I feel like from what I read to get a true ending, you have to dig into the DLC. Which, I mean, I get it. It's a game. You got to make money on it. Um, but not I, I don't like that in games personally where you don't get a satisfying ending with what's given to you at release. Mm-hmm. Um, and then due to the game being an originally open world concept, I'm so glad I found this fact out. I really... It, Every time, like whenever there was this big driving sequences, I'm like, I feel like I should be doing like this all the time. Like it, yeah. it it was a weird like dissonance of like, I feel like this game should be open world, but I know it's an episodic linear game. It was like a very just weird like yeah. tug of war going yeah, on. Yeah, it, it was, was re- like... Yeah.
2: Especially because the roads had like multiple paths branching out, clearly yeah, different exactly. places to go and see and visit and stuff like yeah. that. It just feel, it totally feels like a leftover and then the driving just doesn't feel that great anyway.
0: So yeah. it's, it's definitely weird. Those driving parts. Uh, Matt said though, props to them on like in a two month period, you know, making that switch. I think that's very impressive for the most part. And mm-hmm. I still think it worked very well, but I couldn't get away from like the, this doesn't feel right. Um, Yeah. Yeah. My,
2: uh, my only nitpicks are, I talked about a lot of them already. I think, um, I get what you're saying, Matt, about how like the twin, you you kind of accept the campiness, uh, the occasional campiness and some of like the on the nose stuff that happens in the voiceover because it's got the kind of twin peaks, weird kind of vibe going on. I get that. Sometimes it doesn't quite work for me personally. Um, so that's just one of my nitpicks. I know I've talked about that. The other thing, the teen rating, really lowers the amount of scariness you know it's like i want to be scared i want to get like genuinely rocked uh with some with some weird stuff or like a little bit of blood at least you know i'm not sure if blood breaks the teen rating right away but that's just what i want just because it's it's i'm kind of expecting more of a horror game more more of a that of that kind of stuff but um that's just a quick nitpick kind of what if for me
1: what about you um let's see i got a couple um for me the collecting totally messed up the flow of the game like and i don't even know why i was doing it but i was compelled to find every thermos and manuscript page i could and uh it really takes what is probably a very streamlined experience and bogs it down and and forces me and especially in those driving sequences like you said there are just paths to go down with like trailers to explore and stuff that are totally non-essential um so that that bugged me um yeah i think that was the biggest one
0: uh product placement
1: i just can we all just disagree
2: on that being a nitpick
0: I actually got a kick out of their product placement. <laughs> God personally. damn it, Matt. Why? Like, it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't good product placement, to be clear. Like, the Energizer battery. Like, are you kidding me? This is the worst flash I've ever had in my life. <laughs> yeah. But um, like, I, I, I enjoyed What how other it brands played,
1: are there? Right,
0: yeah. <laughs> I I enjoyed it playing into, um, like, the whole kind of TV show vibe that it was going for, I guess. And um, I, I can't actually think of that many games off the top of my head that use product placement so that at least not that i've played recently that i remember so it was so big in that more era. prominent
1: sports games yeah I feel like, yeah and like it was really big or something. it was really
0: big bigger in that
2: era if i recall correctly okay. where you saw if i, I the recall
1: wars. there was like a sonic game that had tons of product placement, really which is just ridiculous. <laughs> i think i'm
0: kind of that. bizarre was that sorry when the ones playing it or the kids was that
2: sonic riders no that makes the most sense My- you always might want to
1: have been, it was
0: at the I one the boards
2: yeah. yeah that might have been sonic riders but i remember there was a game called pure that had quite a bit of product placement um mm-hmm. or not quite a bit but i remember it had some uh usually like in a racing game it's like tire product placement or oil product placement for like
1: oh yeah, okay. it's, it's pirelli's uh, all over this yeah yeah
2: <laughs> um this game is it's just it's hilarious because the moment you realize that it's energizer you're just like you just your eyes kind of just roll it's just like oh my god really like you really had to you really had to do that I don't
1: know. and uh, it says it in big letters yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like you're not gonna miss it
2: and they're called lithium batteries specifically not yes, b- not yes. Batteries. Yeah. those yeah. give
1: you a little bit more life yeah. those give you two seconds more yeah battery <laughs> yeah, life. Big,
0: yeah. super cool <laughs> all right um would you play other games from this developer I definitely would i have already about control. I'm looking forward to playing it at some point, maybe hopefully for the podcast. I'm um, off to talk with the executive um, commissioner, the, the board, the, the commissioner com- on that one. <laughs> uh, um, I'm, I'm excited to dig into the remedy verse. Yeah, I, I played Max
2: Payne when I was a kid, and then I remember watching the Max Payne movie in theaters when it came out. Uh, I think that was Mark Wahlberg, right? Marky Mark. <laughs> yeah, Marky Mark was Max Payne. Uh, yeah, I remember, like, you know, you're. I mean, I was young, so it was just kind of badass and cool and edgy, you know, and I definitely didn't understand, like, some of the more finer noir elements to to the writing, um, but I would like to go back and play a little bit of those Max Payne ones, perhaps with the commissioner's approval. We can do that.
1: Um, yeah, Max I already know your answer yeah. <laughs> Max Payne 2 uh, that's one of my favorite games you should both definitely go back and play that the movie's funny because I think that's another thing that Sam Lake was pissed about like because they lost the rights to oh, Max yeah. Payne and then they made this terrible movie um, so I think that that's just because he, he talks about Emil Hartman the director of the rehab facility where you get taken to uh, he describes him as a producer you know one of the characters so he hates editors and producers it's great yeah it says there's uh, a i think
2: there's something that says don't trust the editor or don't trust emil or something yep. oh that's pretty funny yeah
1: yeah so i think yeah he just uh i and i love every game they've done since quantum break is their weakest um they tried to include a lot of live action video oh, it, it's fine for what it is controls the better game and it ties in more with alan wake so Play control. It's fun.
0: Okay. Hell yeah. All right. Um, final conclusive thoughts. Um, I'm just gonna go ahead real quick. Give it my it has my segoy Lucas, does it have your seal of approval? Uh. Eh. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Play. I mean, um, t- t- take my opinion. Obviously, I'm a lot more generally a more critical uh, gamer, but um, you know, I think it's a fun game. I think it's a fun game to play. I think if the mood is right, you can get a lot out of it. Uh, there's just parts of it that just don't
0: just don't do it for me uh i think i've yeah. kind of got into it yeah johnny well i know johnny that I, i'm pretty sure not to speak for you but i think this has your um <laughs> your your seal of approval if this is on the list you sent me <laughs> oh yeah if it's a
1: binary seal of approval yeah for sure, yeah all
0: righty <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um Lucas, would you like to introduce the rating section?
2: Yes, we are going to be doing our uh, patented thanks for playing rating on this one, of course, where we each rate the game out of 10, and then we'll do that out of 1, 2, 3, 30. Uh, We will take the game out of 30, and that is the final uh, score of the game, superseding Metacritic, uh, GameSpot, and Time Magazine, Mm. if they're still doing (laughs) game reviews. Uh, So, gentlemen, on a 3, we will each give our rating to the game. 1, 2...
0: Three. Seven. Seven. Oh, oh wow okay you gave it a seven Pretty, i thought you were gonna give it way higher Matt. okay i i mean i enjoyed like the nitpicks of it i mean not the nitpicks excuse me I enjoyed, like, <laughs> that was I, my favorite part yeah the i loved what i hated <laughs> um the main appeal to me was at the end of the day just like the little the quirkiness of the game um which i didn't expect honestly going into it i thought it was gonna be like more of an intense horror experience i was kind of thrown off by that um and I, I think a is the highest I can give it, given how fast I had to play through it. To be honest. Okay. Okay, Johnny, yeah. uh,
2: you're, you're giving it the eight. Giving it the. I'm the,
1: giving it an eight. I solid. think. Uh, you know, I, if it was just going on on plot, we'd be giving it a ten. We didn't, guys we didn't even d- dive into the Jungian analysis angle to all this and the confrontation with the shadow. Oh man, trust me, we, we can talk about it on the discord server. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes. But, um, I think, uh, you know, there are just some things that hold it back. I think some of the character models look a little wonky and cartoony. I agree. Uh, the like, uh, not, not the character, mo- the ones that aren't used as much. Um, and yeah, the gameplay is isn't, isn't perfect. So, you know, for for what it is, it, it gets an 8.
2: Okay. Great, everybody. Uh Matt, uh this has been uh kind of a, a one of our longer episodes. It has. Uh probably the longest episode
0: in Thanks Sorry history. guys.
2: No, that's no. a good problem to have. Yeah, this was okay. a, this, this was, was a all good switch.
0: discussions. This wasn't just me and Lucas like circle jerking each other. This was like No, a good that, that, that does not always happen. I joined the circle.
1: Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you joined the <laughs> That's right. You joined,
0: right. You joined um, the, the circle jerk. Um, all right. Um, really quickly, everyone, um, as, as Johnny here mentioned, don't forget we have a Discord server now. You can find it on our link trees, available on both our Twitter and our Instagram. Speaking of which, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at TFP Podcast. That's TFP Podcasts with an S at the end. As well, if you have any questions for us, maybe a game recommendation, shoot us an email. Thanks for playing pod at gmail.com. And as always, please go ahead and leave a follow, subscribe, rate, review on wherever you listen to your podcast. Helps podcasts grow organically. And hey, if you maybe if you leave a comment, um, maybe I'll read out loud and maybe you should say what cocktails you think Lucas and I enjoy. I don't know be fun um and you can find me on twitter at tfp podcasts wait no that's not right (laughs) you can find me on twitter at uh good idea matthew lucas where can we find you
2: uh you could find me on instagram and twitch at good idea lucas uh you can find me on twitter but i'm not really active on there so don't 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 bother uh dms are open though if you want to uh Talk ladies if you or, or anybody really if you just want to talk to anyone me, yeah. my friend, talk to uh, have video game discussions debate me <laughs> on
0: uh my ratings that i've had on previous games i always invite it i would love that i'm still waiting to get like a hate hate mail for my super med trade opinion <laughs> aren't, you, aren't you i mean you're getting hate comments
1: so hey
0: i have gotten hate comments for that one it's yeah, crazy pretty great um johnny anything you'd like to plug or
1: uh yeah myspace.com forward now uh i don't really have much social media so uh i'll try to slide into the discord and if anyone wants to talk about uh how i disagree with lucas and matt about you know some things like spec ops and super metroid and dear or among <laughs> chief among them uh i'll, I'll, I'll have fun to talk with you guys
0: there we go love it all right everyone this has been. Thanks for playing. Catch you next time. Skip it up. Thanks for playing. Is a production of Good Ideas Only. Your hosts are Lucas Luna and Matt Rockaby. Our music was done by the impeccable Samuel Luna. And our logo design was done by the talented Isaac Palestino. Special thanks to the Roll Call Bunch Red Circle.